Welcome to today's podcast of Center of Loose Nation. This is Pat LaRusso. I'll soon be joined by my two co-hosts, Anthony Sino and Blair Barton, as we look at uh, the Maple Leafs, the rest of the North Division, and so much more. Welcome, everyone, to the latest podcast of Center of Loose Nation. This is Pat LaRusso. I'm joined by my two co-hosts, uh, Blair Barton and Anthony Sino. Gentlemen, how have you been enjoying these last few Maple Leafs games? Incredible. L- loving it. It's, awesome, it's been a journey. Awesome it has been. It's, we're, we're seeing things that we've never seen in this team. You know, and I, I made a comment that previous versions of with this group, at occasions like this, they probably would have taken their foot off the, the, the gas. There's no stop. Like, it doesn't matter if the score is completely out of, you know, Vancouver's hands, but the Leafs just kept pressing and kept pressing. You know, they've scored, what, 12 goals to Vancouver's four in the first two games of this, um, you know, mini, you know, interseason uh, series. Like, there's just so much to talk about, about, you know, even just this mini series and so many storylines to, to kind of cover. Um, but, you know, Blair, you know, I'll kind of, you know, throw it to you first. What has been your biggest thing that you've noticed, especially in this series more specifically, um, that, 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 still, that, that maybe has stood out for you? Well, uh, I mean, so many things, obviously, like some, some fantastic individual play, um, you know, by the obvious people and, and some not so obvious. But it, the biggest thing for me, and especially even more so the last three games, but even stretching out probably the last, you know, seven or eight games is, that I have never seen in this in this team, maybe from for small small spurts, but is their five on five play? Um, you know how they come back and close the gaps out defensively, and you know I, I know uh, they always talk about this on overdrive, and you hear the old dog, he'll say stuff like, uh, "What like you have all these different coaches coming that are defensive coaches? You have Babcock, you have Carlisle, you have Ron Wilson, and and Paul Maurice come in, and you can't." This team can't check. They can't back check. They can't work as a five-man unit. Um, but I'm, that's the thing for me is that Sheldon Keefe, you know, has them playing as a five-man unit. The, the breakouts they're starting to get, um, you know, I, I like how they they hang on to the puck rather than just dump it in to go for the change. Um, they're really starting to get that down, uh, which, you know, was, was something that I noticed last year they were trying to work on, but it wasn't seamless. They're, they've got it going on right now. Um, yeah, that's, that's it for me. I think other than the obvious of, you know, Matthews just being an absolute monster, um, you know, um, the Wayne train, Wayne Simmons, my new favorite leaf um, playing like he's 25 again. Um, the, other than that, it's the five on five play. It's gotta be. And for yourself, Anthony, so a lot of things that uh, I do agree with uh, uh, that Blair said is, is I would say that this team is definitely checking more, tracking pucks down on the back check and playing more below the puck. Um, however, something that I might uh, tend to disagree on with Blair there is that I think that they're the eye, the eye test would suggest that they're five on five play has been a lot better 
And uh, and, I'll, and my long-winded answer of this is is they have taken a hit at five on five in terms of their their numbers, whether it be expected goals or their uh, kind of like their high danger shot chances uh, for and uh, but what I do notice is that the things that they are doing are not show are not even showing up in the underlying metrics. And I think how eventually this team will get evaluated is on their wins and losses. And um, I think it's it, it just, it, it's been a very interesting exercise in my brain because for years we've had, and Pat, we've been doing this for a while now. How many times have we said, okay, this team's not maybe getting the points, but how many pundits on Twitter, you go and read the countless fans that could never say anything bad about the team they're saying oh well uh austin matthews and mitch marner they 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 were a minus tonight but like look at this look at their expected goal numbers or look at their um their shot generation their high danger shot generations like everyone has was constantly using analytics to defend this team and ultimately where did it get us that's a rhetorical question it got us nowhere right it got it, it like absolutely nowhere. So I, as someone who is a card carrying fan of what the underlying numbers are saying, I am not here for the arguments that to say, well, this team's success is not sustainable because the things that they're doing, the attitude around this team, the morale around this team, something is different about this team. Right. And it's not showing up on the it's not showing up on the metrics, but what are they doing? They're winning games. They're playing for each other. Look at what like it it, to me. It just it's it's something that needs to stop is that people are always trying to prove that they're the smartest person on Twitter. And and it's just it just leads to unnecessary bickering like the team's winning, guys. Let's just enjoy it. We haven't had a winning team in 50 four years now, like, like just enjoy the ride guys. I think, and it's funny cause I've heard this and I, I, I wonder if because of the losing, you know, we've, there's this quick deflection from Leaf fans um, because we were so used to being, you know, the, everyone's punching bag, you know, 1967 and yada, yada, yada. Um, that, that even Leaf fans can't accept how good this team is. Like I'm seeing Leaf fans, mention things like oh look at the schedule or they're playing ahl players or um what was the last oh i even had a gentleman and you know we were discussing this offline you know i had a, I, I had someone you know speak of how like the 1980s teams had all this heart and were better than you know this edition of the team and it's like what are we doing to ourselves like have we stopped valuing what is important in the game of of, of hockey you know, did, when did we devalue wins and losses? Or when did we devalue our most talented players that, you know, Austin Matthews is leading the league, you know, in goals. And, you know, people are still asking, you know, where's the heart? Where's the fight? It's just like, what more can this guy produce, you know, to for us to just exhale and just enjoy what we're watching? And that, that was like my biggest takeaway is the reaction from fans, after every win and it's it boggles my mind some of the the narratives that people are creating just to defend the you know 
you know, their own insecurities or their, you know, I'm happy with this team. If someone says 1967, well, you know what? We learned from it. You know, we drafted better. We traded better. You know, we improved our, you know, we improved our scouting. We got better coaches. We got a, a younger general manager that, that can see, you know, at, that plays chess, not checkers. You know, there's so many things to like about this team at every level. Let's just enjoy it. Yeah, I can't agree more, Pat. Uh, the, the, and it's funny that you say that. I think it's, there is this culture of, um, you know, skepticism among certain Leaf fans. It's just like, you know, I know Leaf fans, I'll talk to them. And uh, before the game even starts, I'll just, I'll be getting negative messages about the game and, and stuff like that. And, oh, let's see how they're going to do this. Or, you know, they only always trade away all their best players, or, you know, when I have these conversations, it's like, why, why, why bother being a fan? If you're just going to, yeah. I, I get being disgruntled after all these years, but this is a different team. Um, for me, I've, I've, I try to break it down into eras, like of who, you know, was, you know, the Quinn era, the Burns era, you know, <laughs> that's, that's how I see it. And then, and, you know, this is the, this is the Dubas era and, and, you know, he's on the clock as far as I'm concerned uh, from the moment that Sheldon Keefe was announced as head coach. Um, but so, so that's my thoughts on that. One thing I did want to touch on um, that, that I think is a big change in this team. I think it was, you know, people compare Toronto and Tampa together a lot. Um, I think the Leafs um, getting dismissed in, in the five game series against Columbus um, in the summer was watching Tampa win the cup with skilled players like them, a high octane offense, but they're, because the Leafs are digging in the corners. Matthew's digging in the corners to get the pucks yeah. out. They're fighting to get the pucks out. And that's the big difference between what Tampa did this year and the past uh, the, the playoffs that just went by that they have never done before. Yeah. And I think Toronto learned a lot from that because watching them play and watching them dig out and their star guys, you know, commit to playing that style to get the puck. Um, to me, I think that's something you're not going to see too much of measured, you know, to, to Anthony's point uh, on the stats or the analytics is, is no. how hard. And, um, you know, I think, I think this will translate better into playoff hockey uh, when that time comes. And speaking of intangibles, Anthony, and, and you brought this up and, you know, it, it, it actually became like this viral tweet, but did everyone see the tweet or the post on just after Saturday's game where, it was the first image was of Austin Matthews scoring a goal. And then the second image right beside it was how happy he was for Wayne Simmons. That, those intangibles, when your best players celebrate their, their teammates' successes, that bleeds into every other aspect of the game. Or you know, for the hat trick, you know, to what? see the reaction. Yeah, like it's just right. watching watching this team gel. You know, I think Dubas, when he went out and, and, and brought in Joe Thornton and brought in Wayne Simmons, you know, we looked at it as, you know what, they're bringing in this leadership, they're bringing in this grit. But to watch those two more specifically, and, and, and even, you know, Father Spezza, like watching these three veterans get embraced by this young group, you can tell that everyone is now picking up on just how important this opportunity is as a group. And I think something special is happening in that locker room that will never show up on a stat sheet, but it's showing up indirectly in the wins and losses that we're seeing so far. 
I completely agree, Pat. And uh, I think I said this on the last time I was on, so maybe two podcasts ago. The uh, and I keep referencing it. I, I'm I'm beating a dead horse here, but when those leaf blueprint things, those kind of it behind the scenes documentaries, and and I and I really find it funny how it always seems like now the last two coaches. Um, I personally found the things that Bab Babcock would have these one liners that. Um, it it always kind of motivated me in a way and until, and it it was more blinding to the fact of the the greater problems, again, not going to get into those things, but the, he would say things that would kind of just captivate me as a fan. And now I'm finding that Keith is saying those, uh, saying things that are also very, very captivating to watch as a fan. And I can only imagine being a player in that locker room and listening to that every day. And one thing that he really stood out, uh, that really that he said that really stood out to me was, it's not just about showing up and being the best that you can be. It's about noticing when somebody else needs a lifting up, and let's help that guy become the best player that he can be. So a lot of things that are intertwined in that comment there. And uh, a lot of things that I can that we as fans from the outside can see. One example: the resurgence of Wayne Simmons, the hat trick that Jason Spezza gets, and you can see that bench just jump up in in excitement. The goal that Jumbo scored back in Ottawa. Um, Bogosian, uh, there was that a few maybe a few games ago. The the there was a tweet that uh, that had the bench mic'd up. Bogosian uh, blocked a shot and uh, and iced the puck on a key penalty kill at the end of the game. I think it was in Calgary. And you hear someone say, I think uh, I think they said like F and right do uh, deuces, right? And you can just and you can see it, guys. Like we we you, we hear we heard it all last year on Overdrive. Blair, you mentioned that show earlier. I think it's one of the best shows in Toronto, by the way. Um, Ray Ferraro constantly on his daily hit. The Leafs had the quietest bench in the league. The yeah. quietest bench in the league. Yeah. That's not the case anymore, guys. Nope. And, and we're was... seeing this team become, like, you're just seeing the, the development of the team and and, and however, uh, what's, what's the word that I'm looking for? It might sound cheesy and typical Leafs so already planning the parade, but I really truly believe that we're watching something special, like, right before our eyes. And and I and the only reason why I'm saying it is is I don't want God willing some that they do the thing and they take that silver thing home and we don't appreciate going back to this moment and saying like wow that's when I knew it you know what I mean yeah. like I think we got got to appreciate every game we see these little moments not don't live and die with every win and loss because that you're it's not healthy that way mentally but just appreciate the moments that we're talking about here and seeing the development of something that, you know what, like when, if they do do it, we're going to look back on these things and say like, there, that's a moment again. Yeah. There's those, those little, yeah. Those little shots of what the future might look like is what we're seeing literally on a game by game, shift by shift, uh, play by play basis. And that actually takes us to some unfortunate news in Leafland. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the injuries are now starting to pile up. You know, a couple weeks ago, it was Nick Robertson and Joe Thornton. Um, you know, now it's Travis Dermott and 
sadly, the Wayne train, Wayne Simmons, um, you know, has an upper body injury out for six weeks. Um, kind of want to get your gentleman's take on, you know, who do you think is the next man up to kind of help the Leafs get over this little bump? And, um, you know, sort of what are your thoughts on, you know, the thoughts that Joe Thornton and or Nick Robertson might be back in the lineup as of late next week? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, yeah, uh, I was, I was, I was raving about uh, the Wayne train heading into last game and I was texting everybody, my favorite new leaf. And, you know, I always love watching him play. And uh, I think he's just been absolutely incredible. And I, you know, this could be a little bit of a blessing. Um, he plays hard. He's, he's a bit worn, you know, it might not be a bad thing for him to get six weeks in, get some, get some bike time in and uh, come back rejuvenated and, and, you know, rested for the playoffs. Um, but as far as uh, next man up goes, I really think Ilya Mikheyev is on the verge of breaking out. Uh, he has been absolutely amazing uh, all, all season long. Like his speed is, uh, has really kicked like a gear I've never seen from him before. Um, and I know he's going to be getting a, a turn on the second power play unit uh, tonight. Um, I think he's somebody that's just raring to break out and, uh, I think he could step in. Uh, I'm not sure who they're going to, I know that they were, they had Thornton on that line today, but he's not eligible to come off. Um, yeah. But I think he's somebody that certainly will take advantage of this opportunity. And um, yeah, I can't wait to see Nick Robertson play um, to, to get a good, you know, sample size of his play. And uh, I can't wait for Joe to come back. Love, love me some Joe Thornton. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Blair. I think it's, I think it's time for uh, Ely McKay to start uh Start putting some points up. Uh, frankly, uh, we—he's doing a lot of the, the little things right. It's just the guy can't buy something. And and look, quite honestly, I just don't—I don't think he has the talent to to score to be like a traditional third line top, maybe middle six forward in terms of scoring. When you look at the end of the year, you're never going to see Ilya Mikheyev with. 50 points over an 82 game season or anything like that, or even 40 points. Um, but I think again, a real element that we could, when we know that this team, if this team's got it, you know, it's next man up mentality, right? Yeah. If one goes down, the next guy's got to step up and he just, he finds his way, right? Maybe it, maybe it's taking, it takes a, putting Mikheyev, uh on a line with, uh, Tavera, um, Matthews and Marner for maybe not for a full game, but you give them half the game and you just let here, you're going to play with the two boys, two big boys, go out there and score, get, get, get this guy a goal, right? Get him, get him to get the monkey off his back and, and just really just, just find that confidence again, where you're not squeezing the stick a little too tight now. And, and maybe if, if McKay could find some success there, maybe you can drop Hyman down who I'm now uh, nicknaming the line fixer. Uh, and, and if you put him with Taveras and Nylander at five on five, you can get those two going five on five because those guys I think can improve a lot at, uh, uh, at full strength. So, sorry, I even. Yeah, it's been. Uh... Yeah, you make him. Uh, does seem like going. Oh, sorry there, Anthony. Yet we yeah. had lost you for a sec. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Am I back? Yeah, you're back. Yeah, 
Yeah, Ian McKibbs definitely seems like a guy that was snake bitten. Um, you know, he's hit crossbars, hits posts. Like guys have just, you know, made some pretty amazing saves on him. Um, you know, I, I still wonder how much of it is him coming back and getting adjusted to, you know, that wrist injury. Um, he didn't really seem to be himself when he did come back in the in that five game play in series. Um and there really wasn't like a proper training camp to get him ramped back up again. So I, and I know some people might see that as an excuse, but I think for players that, you know, especially for him that was just getting himself acclimatized, still learning the language. Um, there's a lot, of, there's a lot of things that happen um, that we lose out on. Um, and, you know, here's hoping that uh, he can get back going. Um, so but I'll, I'll send this off to you because it looks like we've lost Anthony. Hopefully he'll make him his way back in. Um, but I did want to, um, you know, as we wrap up this podcast, touch on, you know, one interesting um, piece of potential Leafs history that could um, that could happen is, you know, only two former or only two players in Maple Leafs history has ever scored in eight straight games in 76 years. And we could be looking at Austin Matthews, you know, entering into that very, very small group. Uh, I would like to get your thoughts on, you know, his start and some of the things that you've noticed that have been different uh, in previous um, seasons for him. Oh, man, this guy just doesn't stop impressing. Uh, you know, he's he's uh, easily the best natural goal scorer that's ever worn the Maple Leaf uniform. I don't think that's up for debate. Um, people want to debate. I mean, we've got great Leafs, Matt Sundin, Alex McGillney, uh, Wendell Clark. Um, we, we know that Austin Matthews is a generational player. Um, he's in a different league than those guys. The biggest thing I think that has had uh, an effect on Matthews other than to play against uh, but he's also, you know, they're looking for each other out there. It, yeah. it seems like the two of them out there, and and this is their first full season together. I know, you know, Keith ended up putting them together, and, and Babs gave, gave them, you know, some, some, uh, you know, spot duty together. But, uh, you know, they're just looking for each other out there, and and then that allows Hyman to um, just create a space, dig out the pucks, and get them the pucks back. But. Yeah. Uh, or they're just the one of the most dynamic duos in the NHL and having one of the best passers in the league um, distribute to the best finisher in the league. Uh, and in my mind, the undisputed best finisher in the league is Austin Matthews. And, uh, and you know, between the two of them, Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews, I think, uh, I think we could see this streak double up. No, most definitely. Anthony, um, we, you know, we were just mentioning, um, you know, the potential for, Austin Matthews to enter into a very exclusive club in Maple Leafs history, um, being only the third player to score in eight straight games. Kind of want to get your thoughts on, you know, his potential, um, you know, he, you know, being part of that group and what you've noticed that's been different in this year's start than in previous uh, seasons. Uh, yeah. So, sorry, guys, that I cut out there for a second. So I'll apologize uh, for my poor internet uh, connection. Um, but basically, Austin Matthews, and I'll reference Overdrive again. I was listening to it before we recorded tonight. 
Jeff O'Neill said it best. It is okay to talk about how good Austin Matthews is. It seems like it's taboo in this city, right? It feels like you're not allowed to say how good he is because the other fan bases are going to be like, oh, typical Toronto, right? Inflating their guy's value, talking about how everything in Toronto is so good. The third line winger has has a deal with Campbell's soup. The, the fourth line winger... <laughs> apologies, that's my water bottle. The fourth line winger, the fourth line winger has got a deal with Chevrolet Markham, all these things. And it's just typical Toronto fan base boosting up their guy. Here are the facts, guys. This guy, since he has entered the league, is is unquestionably, and I am including Alexander Ovechkin in this conversation, he is the best five-on-five goal scorer on the planet. On the planet. He is playing... He is playing a more well-rounded game. He can, and he has, he has selkie asper guys. The guy is telling the media he has selkie aspirations and he is leading the NHL in goals too. Right. So this guy is just an unquestionably world, all world talent. And I think that he is in the art Ross conversation. And yes, I don't care that Connor McDavid has 26 points in 13 games or something. We have to evaluate the exact stats. And the five-on-five stats say that Austin Matthews is one of the best players in the game. If he was getting those, if he was getting those power play opportunities, he, he would definitely put, have the numbers that we're talking about with McDavid and with uh, Dreisaitl. It's, I, I'm just, I'm, I, I think we really need to normalize the fact that when our players are playing good and they are putting up the numbers that, they are, uh, that they're doing, it's okay to say that this guy's got a chance at, being called the MVP of the league, right? So uh, I think he's playing that good, but I also think that Mitch Marner deserves some uh, a lot of credit as well. I'm not sure if we, if uh, if if that if that's been touched on yet, but look, he Marner's the Marner. I think he's been very quiet at five on five, but it, he looks quiet. And then I look at and then you look at the the box score and you look at his numbers, right? His un, even his underlying metrics at the end of the game, and you're like holy crap, he had a good night. You know what yep. I mean? So he, he's been quietly dominant that way. And and really, isn't that his job, right? Just be quiet. Make those nice passes. You don't got to be that flashy all the time. Get 34 the puck, have him rip it under the bar, and, and we'll just take our two points and we'll go home again. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, most definitely. I think it's, you know, I know we were hard on Marner last year because there was always that ask of you can do better. And, and, the, and the same thing could have applied to Austin Matthews, too. I think, you know, we asked him to play, you know, a more well-rounded game, play, you know, get it, go in the corner, start digging out the puck, you know, start making your own plays. Like, you can't be reliant on, you know, Hyman to always be there and do that for you. And here using we are. Using your size, sorry yeah. to interrupt, but using your size, six foot four, two, two fifteen or whatever he's playing at right now. Yeah, once he good. starts using his size. He lost, he lost some weight, though. Yeah, and, yeah. but he seems faster. Yeah, like absolutely. He, he he seems to have gained a step or two, and you know it really makes me wonder. And I brought this up in a in a debate on the weekend um, because a, a Leaf fan said that Austin didn't have a lot of heart and he didn't really put too much into his craft. And I'm like, he trained with undoubtedly the best player on the planet, Connor McDavid, all summer. You know what they could have learned and what they bounced off each other is immeasurable. But we're starting to see it, like. That one play, I forget which Vancouver it, it, uh, player it was, where he put the puck through him, 
skated around him, and then potted the shot. Like, you know, we're seeing Man. new elements to Matthews's game that we never saw before. We knew his shot was deadly. You know, you put the puck on his stick, it was going in. Like, he can find those little holes, you know, bar down, you know, where there would be literally just enough room for the puck to go in. He found it. He would find those spots every time. The roof would have blown off that building if there were fans in the stands. That's that's a goal there. That's a goal there where I look like, man, if you had 18,000 people in the stands there, it would have just blew up. That goal was disgusting. It was beautiful. And it's yep. something that we're seeing an addition, uh, an additional element to his to his game that I think come in the high pressure times like the playoffs will serve him well. He, you know, when when somebody tells you something like somebody like an Austin Matthews doesn't work hard, that's just a shortcut to thinking, because I mean, how do you become so good at what you do and become the best in the world at it without even a doubt? in a non-traditional hockey market playing against, you know, his whole life playing against subpar players and, and to walk in NHL, score four goals, his first game and to do nothing but continue to score goals at five on five. And he doesn't work hard. Tell your buddy to shut up. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it, it brought it. Like I said, it brought out some pretty fierce debate, but like, you know, it's a, once again, it, it speaks to what we what we all discussed right at the top of this podcast was there's an insecurity about this fan base that we're afraid to appreciate when things are going well. And it bleeds into a lot of the comments that you see. Um, but you'll never hear a bad thing come out of my mouth when it comes to Austin Matthews. Um, I think we're still only seeing the tip of the iceberg. Um, you know, to, you know, it has been a great chat uh, this evening, gentlemen. Um, do you guys have any final closing thoughts as we, uh, you know, as we wrap up this latest podcast? Uh, go, p- score predictors, guys. We it's got to be it's become a tradition when we record on a game night. Oh what yeah, got? I got I got I got mine ready to go. I got uh, so, all right. So, Blair, fire fire away. I, <laughs> I think uh, I think Vancouver's going to bring their A game tonight. I think the Leafs are going to be a bit sleepy on them. I think the Leafs are going to win 5-2, and I think that <laughs> – <laughs> I, I think, I think, uh, think Mikheyev's going to pop two tonight. One on the power play, one shorthanded. Oh, wow. You're even putting names to these goals, Blair. Love it. Love the confidence. Oh, my God. <laughs> and right, it's I'll, your I'll prediction. So, I'll go – I'll go 6-2. 6-2. Matthews, Patrick, Ooh. Mar- Marner, Marner, three point, and I got. You know what? I got Jimmy VC to score one, just a dirty one. Yeah, let's give one to Jimmy. Get him going again, right? Yeah, I know, right? Just, just since oh. we're giving him out like Oprah. Yeah, team, team Jimmy. You know, I'm gonna have to go with Blair's line of thinking. And I really do think that Vancouver is going to give the Leafs a little bit of a pushback tonight. I think the score is going to be a little bit closer. I, I have it at 4-2 Toronto um, with Austin Matthews getting a goal uh, to reach that, that uh, you know, franchise, franchise milestone. Um, and I see Zach Kaiman getting one as well. And uh, little Mitchie Marner uh, getting one goal and assist tonight as well. And, and hopefully a, another dirty goal from our fourth line to give us the four... Uh, the fourth leaf goal in my prediction. Can't believe we didn't right. even make 
uh, we didn't even mention Spetz's hat trick or the, that uh, that shot that he's got gone. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. we'll have to see that for another podcast. Uh, gentlemen, yeah. it has been a pleasure as always. Um, you know, to all our listeners, we can now be found on Amazon Music, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and frankly, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thank you.